All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Jericho Road Church. My name is Pastor Jason, and if it's your first time here or if this is your home church, we're glad you guys are joining us this morning. Now, before we start, let's go ahead and uh, start with our shouts. All right, guys? What do we do? And what do we say? I love God and I love you. Amen. Amen. Now, again, uh, Pastor Peter introduced me earlier, but my name is Pastor Jason. I am the children's pastor here at Jericho Road Church, and I'm very excited to introduce our brand new sermon series called uh, Sermon Sampler Platters, where we're going to hear from a variety of messages from a variety of speakers. Now, I have the privilege of being your starter this morning, so before we begin, let me go ahead and pray for us. Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for our friends being here. I pray that as we uh, hear your message this morning, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open, and that the Spirit would be present here with us. Uh, We thank you again for this time. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, In 2018, the great Snoop Doggy Dog received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And in his acceptance speech, he said this. I'm going to read his quote here. He said, And lastly... I want to thank me. I want to thank me for believing in me. I want to thank me for doing all this hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for never quitting. I want to thank me for being me at all times. Now, when we hear this speech, we think he's a little bit arrogant and boastful. But if I was Snoop Dogg, I would be too. He's a real life rags to riches story. His hard work and self-belief brought him to where he is today And that was memorialized on the Walk of Fame. Now, we may not say it out loud like Snoop Dogg did, but when we achieve success in our lives, when we overcome difficult situations, when we go from rags to riches, just like Snoop Dogg did, we tend to say to ourselves, look at what I did. Look at what I accomplished. Look at what I built. But as Christians, is this how we're supposed to respond to success? As Christians, is this how we're supposed to act when we achieve something and when we overcome difficult situations? Now, luckily for us this morning, there is a person in the Bible who overcame and found success in a very difficult situation. And we'll see how God wanted him to respond when that happened. Uh, This morning, we're going to be in the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua had just been appointed the new leader of the Israelites. He was the guy that was replacing the guy. And the guy that he was replacing was Moses. We all know Moses, right? By all accounts, Moses is considered the gloat, the greatest leader of all time, right? He was the leader that freed the Israelites from slavery. He was the leader that parted the Red Seas. He was the leader that led them through the wilderness for 40 years. He wrote the Torah. He gave us the Ten Commandments. By all accounts, he's the gloat, right? To say that Joshua had some pretty big shoes to fill would be an understatement. The responsibility that Joshua had of leading the Israelites was ginormous. It was an impossible situation that uh, he could not do on his own. Joshua, in his first day as a new leader, was given an impossible task by God. So what was this impossible task that God gave him? What was this thing that he just needed help with? That thing was to cross the Jordan River and lead the Israelites into the promised land. The one thing that Moses, in all of his greatness, wasn't able to do, that's what Joshua was called to do. But Joshua was up to the task. He was ready, and 
He was ready to do what not even Moses was able to do. And this is what he told the Israelites as they neared the shore of the Jordan. It says here, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out of your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Now, the Jordan River connects Mount Hermon to the Dead Sea, and it was the river that was separating uh, the wilderness from the Promised Land. Now, the Promised Land, if you remember, is the land that God had promised them 40 years ago before they could enter. All they had to do was just cross this river. Sounds easy enough, right? Now, for most of the year, the Jordan River is serene and calm and beautiful, but when the Israelites arrived at the Jordan, it was the spring season. And if you know anything about the, the seasons, right? Spring is when the snow starts to melt. So the water from the mountains, or the snow from the mountains would melt and start to flow downstream towards the Dead Sea. So when the Israelites arrived at the river, this was the river that they saw. We have a video right here. They had doubts about how they were going to cross the river. They weren't sure what God was going to do. And the reason they forgot was because they re don't remember what God did for them. Now, our family has uh, Disney annual passes. We're Disney annual pass holders. We are uh, a Disney family, as you would call. And one of my favorite rides there is the Incredicoaster, or if you're a little bit older, it's called California Screamin'. Now, it's a fast-paced roller coaster with loops and turns and drops, and it's a ride that I've probably ridden at least a thousand times. Now, every time I ride on this ride, there's always an irrational thought that comes in the back of my mind, that the safety belt that is holding me down is going to fail, and I'm going to die at the happiest place on earth. <laughs> Not a bad way to go, right? Now, the reason why this irrational thought comes into my mind is because I forget. I forget that there's been countless safety checks to make sure that that never happens. I forget that the engineers have spent countless hours making sure that it's both fun and safe. And I forget that the cast members want to be good at their job. And one of their jobs is to make sure that this ride is safe to ride. I forget all the things that the engineers and the cast members and the crew members who built this ride have done to make sure that it's safe to ride. In the same way that the Israelites forgot all the things that God had done for them. They forgot the plagues that he sent to set them free from the, from the Egyptians. They forgot about the fire and the, the wind that led them through the desert. They forgot about the 40 years of bread and meat that was provided for them when they were wandering in the wilderness. But God knew this. He knew that they forgot. He knew that they had a hard time remembering and so Joshua wanted to remind them of what God was going to do. It says here in chapter 3, verse 9, Come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. See the ark of the Lord of the covenant will go into the Jordan ahead of you. 
See, this was the first time that Joshua had shared a direct message to the Israelites. And God wanted them to know that if they obeyed his word, if they obeyed his commands, that he would be with them wherever they went. This was an important message that they often forgot. And he wanted them to remember his promise to them before they entered into the promised land. So Joshua, after sharing this message, uh, ordered the Levitical priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant and cross the river. Now, it doesn't tell us in the Bible, but I'm sure the priests were scared. As you guys just saw earlier in the video, this was the river that they were had to cross. Um, if this didn't work, they would surely be walking to their deaths. See, Joshua and the Israelites were facing an impossible situation that they couldn't face on their own. And there's also times in our lives where we face impossible situations. Now, let's say you're the guy that's replacing the guy. And that guy is loved and adored and cherished by the church. Let's say that guy is a part of that church's identity. He was there from the beginning. But overnight, he's no longer able to be at that church. And now let's say in your first job as a pastor, you decide to take on the responsibility of leading this ministry that he left overnight. Sounds easy enough, right? Now, if you guys haven't guessed by now, this was me. This was me. My first job as a pastor, the situation and the, the circumstances behind it were a little bit complicated, a little bit convoluted. It was kind of hard to, to figure it out. Now, there were a lot of unforeseen challenges, and uh, some of the expectations that were placed on me were almost impossible, right? I had started in February of that year, and I was asked to lead a VBS for about 150 kids in June of that year. So that's four months, in four months. I had no ministry experience. It was my first time uh, working at a big church. So there was a lot of things against me. But the biggest problem I had was this was at a Korean church, and I didn't speak Korean very well. As you can imagine, the difficulties that came with that. Now, a month into the job, I began to doubt. I doubted if I could do the job. I doubted if I was the right guy. I doubted my calling. I doubted if this is what God wanted me to do. I doubted if I could even do it. Now, I'm sure in the same way that I had doubts about leading a Korean VBS at a Korean church when I didn't speak Korean, the Levitical priests doubted if they could cross the river as they walked towards the raging water. But the great thing about God is he can do things that we can't. The great thing about God, the awesome thing about God is he does things for us that we can never do for ourselves. And this is what God did for the, the, the priests as they crossed the river. It tells us here in chapter, verse 16. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of the Therathen, while the water flowing down the sea of the Abbath, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. The raging river that was standing in front of them was stopped completely. It was as if a wall of, uh, was being held up and the water stopped. God stopped the Jordan River 
so that the Israelites could cross over into the promised land. Now, as they were crossing, God called on Joshua to gather 12 men from the 12 tribes to gather 12 heavy stones from the riverbed. Uh, Now, seeing how uh, God just performed this miracle, the Israelites obeyed. They said, yes, God. And so they grabbed the 12 stones and placed them near where they were camping. Now, why did God make them take these 12 stones from the river? What was the significance of these stones, and why was it important to God? Now, if you remember, this wasn't the first time that the Israelites had uh, been at the foot of the Jordan River, at the shores of the Jordan River. It wasn't the first time that they wanted to cross into the Promised Land. But this was the first time that God allowed them. In 40 years, this was the first time that God allowed them to cross into the, the Promised Land. It was God that stopped the Jordan River, and it was God that led them across it. And he wanted to use these 12 stones as a reminder of what God did for them that day. It says here in chapter 4, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over it. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that you might always fear the Lord your God. See, God did not want them to forget what he had done that day. And those 12 stones was a reminder to future generations of what he did that day. And this is what God wants for us too. He wants us to remember how he's helped us overcome difficult challenges. He wants us to remember that he is powerful, that he's mighty, and that he's true. Now, by God's grace, uh, I was able to lead two successful VBSs at a Korean-speaking church without speaking Korean. Um, I, by God's wisdom, we started a brand new ministry at the church, and by God's patience, I learned many new Korean words. Now, when we left our previous church on our last week there, um, our teachers gathered together and put together a little going away present for us. And I actually brought that with me this morning. Um, It's a photo album here. It's a photo album. Uh, It's a photo album filled with notes from both the teachers and the students. And every time I look at this, I'm reminded not what I did, but of what God did. Every time I view this, uh, I look at this photo album, I remember that it's by God's strength and grace and mercy that I'm able to serve, and not, not, not of my own strengths or talents or, or, or you know, uh, will. Now, as I ask the praise band to come up, um, I want to ask, is, are, are there times when we forget? Are there times when we forget what God has done for us in our lives? Um, are there times when we take credit for our successes? Are there times when we pat ourselves on the back, when we thank ourselves for the difficult challenges that we've overcome? If that's the case, then I want to challenge you guys this week to take a moment to remember. To remember what God has done for you. To remember how God gave you courage to speak up when a a co-worker got in trouble for something you did. When God gave you patience to parent your know-it-all young adult or teenager, to remember how God healed your deep emotional wounds where no amount of therapy or medication could heal. 
In those moments, did we say, God did it, or did we say, I did it? My hope for us is that as we reflect on these achievements, as we reflect on our successes, as we look back at the, different, uh, the important parts in our lives, that we say, we don't say, I did it, but we say, God did it.